Hey guys, welcome back to the Idiot Side Quest. It's us again this week with some spooky stories. I'm Brandon. I'm Leah. Yeah, it's it's October, man. It's spook fest. It's spook season. I'm ready to get spooky. Yeah. So... Just kidding. I hate creepy pastas. I know. They make me cringe. <laughs> but good. some of them are spooky. Some of them could be spooky. Some of them can be spooky and some of them can be good. I feel like, you know, we started this podcast just at the wrong time for you, man. Like, you don't like creepy things. I really like creepy things. It's creepy season, so, like, you just kind of get rolling with the flow. Sorry. I like to stay in well-lit, happy, <laughs> happy corridors on my adventures. I'll just put it that way. All right, so... There's, like, two halves to these creepypastas. You're more focused on, like, kind of spooky pastas that are more, like, IRL, I believe? Yeah, well, like, like more like, I guess, traditional creepypastas. Like, what okay. it was, like, meant for, like, scary scary stories. And then I'm going to do a couple of video game-based ones, because, you know me, I love my video yeah, games. kind of to be expected. I think some of them are, at least a couple of them are probably well-known. And then, I, don't, I actually, I, I really don't know what's known yeah, and what's I, not known in the creepypasta world, because as I said, I don't really... You're not in that world, man. It's not for me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about creep. Like, I feel like creepypastas, it's such, like, an expansive thing. Mm -hmm. like, there are so many, like, unless it's, like, that Russian sleep experiment one. I saw a picture of that, but I don't know what it is. It's long. We, we don't got that for Actually, is that a long think, one? No, it's not that long, but like, I don't know. It's it's the one that like comes to mind when I think of creepypastas. I think of Jeff the Killer, Smile yeah. Dog, and Slender Man. I constantly forget Slender Man is a creepypasta yeah. that got turned into a game, turned into a movie, and then turned into a game again, but it'd be that way. It'd be that way sometimes. Alright, so I, I recommend you should start off with your pasta first. Okay, I should. Probably a little more serious than mine. Okay. We don't want to... Oh, no. Oh. Oh, no. Hi, baby. Doggo break. Doggo break is fine. What are you doing, Busy? Did you enjoy your nap, Busy? Oh, now Marcus came... Marcus never comes in here. He's too claustrophobic for this room. Go, Busy. Go. Oh. <laughs> oh, she, I, I actually appreciate that she came and turned around instead of trying to like walk backwards and all right continuing on after doggo break <laughs> um, oh my god i got so distracted by the dogs i accidentally clicked away oh no okay so i guess i guess we're just gonna jump into it jump then. right in it so I, I guess the flow is gonna be we're gonna read it and then review it yeah. and talk about it a little yeah. bit yeah um, also, I, I apologize in advance. I don't know how good I am at, like, screaming. Get we'll find out. Um, okay, so this first one is called DeMarco Hall, room B7. Okay. Um, and then we're gonna, we're gonna link all the stories down in the description if you guys want to read along or whatever you can also, so we can give the author's credit. <laughs> um, all right, so this first one. The horror I experienced in that room... Transcendent time, space, and reason. I will never forget these. Zach Hanley reached out to me two months ago from a throwaway email address claiming to be the sole victim 
of Dr. Frost's horrific study of 2014. This is an experiment that you've never heard of and probably never would have heard of if it wasn't for Zach's bravery and willingness to seek me out. It was around 9 a.m. when I arrived to the doorstep of Zach's small town home. I immediately noticed a camera mounted to the awning and several security signs staked along the walkway. I knocked and waited for a few moments as the dull humming of the security camera adjusted. The sound of several locks unbolting soon followed. The door creaked and opened a few inches and I recited the password that Zach and I had discussed over email. After a moment of hesitation, Zach invited me into the darkness of his small home. I observed my surroundings and quickly learned that he was a recluse. The small living space was cluttered with empty takeout containers, beer cans, and miscellaneous possessions. The air was pungent with the smell of stale garbage and burnt marijuana. Despite having a bedroom, Zach's bed had been moved to the center of the living room. Even stranger, all of the internal doors had been taken off of their hinges. Okay, Mr. Zach. Seems like an interesting fellow. Yeah. As I sat on the couch, Zach plopped down on the edge of his mattress. He was very thin. His pale skin seemed to glow in the darkness of his living space, contrasted only by the shadows and dark circles that painted his green eyes. Zach's face was unshaven and his shaggy hair hung well past his shoulders. Shut up. <laughs> Sorry. I have brown eyes, thank you. Um, I cleared the paper bags from my cushion and placed my recorder on the coffee table before speaking. As you already know, my name is John, and I don't want you to feel intimidated by the recorder. I simply use it as a tool for compiling my personal notes. You can edit anything out that you do not want when we're finished. Zach looked down and grabbed, grabbed a glass pipe from the table and began to pack it with cannabis. It's all good, man. I trust you. I've read other cases where I can shit, and I know you help people like me. I attempted to smile with sympathy. I like to think I can provide victims with a sense of closure and help those who have unexpectedly dealt with traumatic and unexplainable experiences. Izzy, come here. <laughs> He's like, the arm smells like owkey. does smell like owkey. Izzy, come here. <laughs> come here, Busy. Izzy, come here. Over here. Hey, over here. Over, oh, Busy. <laughs> Busy. Busy, come over here. Ah, oh, there we go. There we go. Hi. Hello. Um, oh my god, I lost my play. They help people <laughs> like him. Yeah. Mr. Weedman. Oh yeah, Mr. Weedman. Um, I attempted to smile with sympathy. I, I like to think I can provide victims with a sense of closure to help those who have unexpectedly dealt with traumatic and unexplainable experiences. I clicked on the recorder as Zach placed the pipe to his lips and ignited his lighter. We can begin whenever you're ready. Zach inhaled the smoke and extended his arm to offer. I declined. Where should I, um, like, start? Start, he asked. The air conditioning kicked on and I noticed Zach flinch before I responded. We can start wherever you like. Why don't you tell me what led you to being involved with Dr. Frott's study? Zach took another hit. Well, I went to the university from 2010 to 2014. I was doing all right in my classes except for abnormal psych. I thought it would be an easy A, but the professor was tough and she docked my grade every time I missed class. What was the professor's name, I asked. Kimball or Campbell, something like that. 
I jotted down Kimball Campbell in my notebook. Do you think she had anything to do with what happened to you? Zach shook, it, shook his head. No, not at all. I leaned in. How did you become associated with Dr. Frost? Zach began to move up and down, or began to move his leg up and down with anxiety as he spoke. Like I said, I wasn't doing well in the class. The School of Psychology offered extra credit for any student willing to do the studies that grad students were putting together. All you had to do was check the bulletin board and show up. Dude, I did as many as I could. I scribbled in my notepad as I responded. What kind of studies were they? Zach took another hit from his pipe. They were Man, usually... this guy's a champ. He's going at it. <laughs> um... They were pretty go goddamn unoriginal, to be honest. Usually some sort of obvious rendered rendition of Pavlov or Schroeder or Milgram. Some were pretty cool, though, especially the ones where you got to get drunk and ask questions and see how long it would take you to fuck up. I couldn't help but laugh. So, Zach, you did all of these studies, but you were still failing the class? He nodded. Like I said, Kimball or Campbell or whatever was strict i still needed about 50 overall points to be okay and most students offered or most studies offered between 10 and 5. i was running out of time zach sighed and looked down it was friday after class when i found the letter at my doorstep it had the university logo on it and everything it looked super legit it was the letter from dr frotz i leaned in with interest what did it say zach's leg fidgeted furiously <laughs> Something along the lines of the psychology department is very pleased with your overall frequent participation. Dr. Frotz cordially invites you to an exclusive study that will guarantee you a full letter grade increase for the semester. Zach's eyes began to twitch. It went, to, it went on to tell me that my involvement must be confidential as the study was peer, per invite only. I didn't even question it. Where did, where did the letter tell you to go, I asked. Zach stared into my eyes. The basement level of DeMarco Hall, room B7. I'll never forget that room, John. And that's why the police haven't taken me seriously. There is no basement at DeMarco Hall and no room B7. But I swear to God, on, there, on that day there was. Zach turned and wiped the tears that were beginning to well in his eyes. I remember hitting the button on the old elevator and everything, lower level. Room B7 was at the end of the hall. I quickly scribbled on my notepad, and looked back, to, back up at him and asked, What did the room look like? Zach looked around nervously and lowered his voice as if he was afraid of being overheard. It looked normal, just like any other basement classroom. White brick walls and tile floors. I was the only person there. The room was empty except for a chair and a small table and an old computer in the middle of the room. The table had a note on it that said, Zach, please click the mouse to begin the study. Were you concerned at this point? I asked. Zach looked back at the floor. No, not at all. Not until the test began. I clicked the mouse and the computer lit up. The screen said, find the mistakes in the photos as quickly as you can. I had done this kind of test before, kind of like uh, that photo hunt game. The first photo showed the night sky, um, but there were two moons. I clicked on one of the moons and it showed me the next picture. This one was a bowl of fruit but the pair was red instead of green. I clicked on the pair, and then it went to the next picture. His eyes welled up again, and he choked on his words. What was in the next picture, Zach? I asked. Okay. No, it wasn't okay. The next photo was my family on vacation at Disney World outside of the Magic Kingdom. Me, my mom, my dad, and my brother 
Thomas. Tears were streaming down his face at this point. You know, what was wrong with the photo, John? I shook my head. Thomas, my little brother, he wasn't on that trip. That vacation was we took was two years after he died. Back when we tried to be remain to be a normal family. But he was in the photo, standing right next to me with the biggest smile you'd ever seen. My stomach felt uneasy as Zach continued. I got up and backed away from the computer. My mind was racing. I felt sick, confused, and I was furious. When I went to the door, it wouldn't budge. I yelled and kicked as hard as I could. Nothing. I tried my cell phone, my cell phone, but it was useless. No signal at all in the place. Not only that, but my phone wouldn't even respond. It was completely frozen. I went back to the computer to see if it had any internet access, but the photo was still up with Thomas staring at me with that huge smile. I couldn't get it off the screen. As much as I didn't want to admit it, I had to continue. I moved the mouse and clicked on Thomas and nearly puked. His skin had begun to turn gray in the photo, his eyes black as if he was rotting. The smile on his face grew larger. I clicked on him and went to the next picture. Zach buried his face in his hands as he continued. The next showed a photo of my father's funeral. He took his own life a few years ago after losing Thomas. I felt my own eyes tearing up. I'm so sorry, Zach. He ignored my sympathy and continued. Everyone was standing in black as they lowered the casket into the ground. It looked like the photo had been taken from the nearby woods and zoomed in. I, I lost it at this point. I picked up the computer and smashed it on the ground. I've never been so pissed in my entire life. And I turned around to go back to the door. Zach paused. This is where nobody believes me. The door wasn't there. It was just a white brick wall. I was trapped. My head started to spin. My heart was beating out of my chest. I turned back and there was the computer, back on the table, in one piece, with the funeral image back on the screen. At this point, my brain tried... <laughs> um, Creepy! At this point, my brain had tried to comprehend the situation. I thought that I was having a super realistic dream or something. I started slapping my face, trying to wake up, but I never did. I was losing it. Doggy coughs. Oh. They're coughing. <laughs> Doggies have allergies too, you know. I, I guess so. I just never heard a dog cough like that. I sat against the wall of the classroom for probably two or three hours trying to get a grip on reality. Eventually, I submitted to the voice in the back of my head. I had to finish the test. Zach sighed and continued. I went back to the photo to see what was wrong so I could click and continue. I looked at all of the people dressed in black standing around the grave. I saw so many familiar faces, family and friends. After a few moments, I saw, I saw it. I was ashamed I hadn't noticed it. It was my own face. My face in the photo, I was laughing hysterically and looking at the casket. I felt like I was going to puke again. I swear to you that nobody laughed at that day. I pushed my mouse over my face and clicked it. Just before it did, it moved and stared directly at me through the screen. Tears were streaming down his cheeks again. The moment I clicked, all of the lights went out in the room. I heard the floor creak and felt something behind me. I was too scared to move. It was like I was paralyzed. I just wanted it to be over. For a second, I felt cold air breathing down my neck. Zach excused himself to wipe his eyes and nose. What happened then, I asked. The lights came back on. 
but the room had changed, he whispered. I looked at him curiously. Changed how? That continued. Like, completely changed. It wasn't the same room anymore. Like, more like a hallway, but really, really narrow. Too narrow. I've never done well with tight spaces. I was still in the chair, but the computer and the table were gone. And I realized then I wasn't alone. The hallway smelled like death and rot. It was so bad I choked on it. The light behind me was disappearing, and the shadows and the smell were creeping towards me. There was something in the darkness, John. I heard its wet, crackling footsteps on the floor. I had no choice but to move forward. I started running down the hallway, twisted and turned into that turned into a maze and became narrower as I pushed on. I've come to the realization that I was being treated like a lab, rab, lab, lab rat. rat. Yeah. But instead of searching for a reward, I was avoiding a punishment. Eventually, the, state, the space was too narrow. The footsteps behind me grew louder. The only chance I had was to push through the narrow gap towards the cool air. I inched forward with all my strength and tried to ignore the pain and eventually breached through. The space was just large enough. It had been built for me. Whatever that thing was behind me stuck its finger into my leg before I made it into the room on the other side of the wall. What was on the other side, I asked. That continued. It was a large sewer line at the edge of campus. I ended up finding a ladder and climbed out. You know the rest. I jotted a few notes. In one of the investigation in Dr. Frotz, Zach looked me in the eyes. The only record of a Dr. Froats was in 1919. He was fired and arrested when the police discovered that the makeshift lab underneath his home that he was using to torture students. He died in prison. There wasn't much of an investigation. I lost the original letter. There's no evidence of any basement in DeMarco Hall. The only thing that I, can, that I can't figure out was the timing. What do you mean, I asked. My roommate reported me missing pretty quickly. Three weeks had passed by the time I climbed out, climbed out of that sewer. I hadn't eaten, drank, or slept. The horror I experienced in that room transcended time and space and reason. Zach looked back down at the floor. I'd like to interview the or I'd like to end the interview now. And so I did. Zach and I parted ways, and I listened to our conversation during my drive home. By the end, I was skeptical of his entire entire story. That was until I walked to my own front door. I hadn't. Uh, I hadn't given Zach my address or the university or any of my information, but sitting on my doorstep was a letter from Dr. Frost inviting me to be a participant in his next study. Whoa! Oh, is that the end? Yeah, that's the end. Spooky. Spooky. So, what do you think? So, when it comes to creepypastas, man... Logan was the one that ranted about this earlier. It mm -hmm. always comes to a basic framework of someone's dead and uh, things are happening. Like, they were here, but they actually died 30 years ago. Whoa! It's like always it's that like same a, framework. It's, it's like a John a, Mulaney joke. Like, um, that, that guy who does movies. Like, he did The Happening and Signs and he's known for twists. Glass, Unbreakable. What's that guy's name? No idea. Haven't seen any of those movies. But. Yeah, but. I mean, it's, it's alright. I, I feel like. 
if told correctly, that has a good framework to be it. Like, if you heard, like, if someone, like, did a recording on a voice recorder and they had the vocal effect kind of coming oh, through, so and it's like, he's actually... Well, I'm saying, like, if, if it was presented in the aspect of, like, a found tapes kind yeah. of thing. If it was a found tape presentation, Ooh. it'd add that extra spookiness. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. I it's, love- it's probably better than anything I've got. Oh, I you think know? <laughs> <laughs> um okay <laughs> okay um i would probably say um out of like all the stories that i have for today that's probably my favorite okay it's really long so it's not too long though mm-hmm. all right i i rate it seven out of ten seven out of ten um, spooky but i'm not gonna really lose sleep over it are we rating this if we would lose sleep over it? Because like I don't, I don't really get scared like that. Like I, I do. I'm a child. I'm a I'm baby. So sorry. Um, yeah, I, I'd say like seven out of ten, maybe eight out of ten. I just like I don't know. Like I, I know it's a, it's a creepy pasta thing. It's a twist, but like uh, it's just spooky. Yeah. All right. It's time for you to feel real spook. Where I'm... are the Minecraft listeners? Because every person who's played Minecraft knows exactly no, what creepy pasta this is. It's Hero Brine or Hero Brine. I always call him Hero Brine, but this this is classic Minecraft stuff. Here we go. I had recently spawned a new world in single-player Minecraft. Everything was normal at first, as I began to chop down trees and craft a workbench. I noticed something move across the dense fog. I have a really slow computer, so I have to play with a really small render distance. I thought it was a cow, so I pursued it, hoping to grab some hides for armor. But it wasn't a cow. Looking back at me was another character with the default skin, but his eyes were empty. I saw no name pop up, and I double-checked to make sure that I wasn't in multiplayer mode. He didn't stay long. He looked at me and quickly ran into the fog. I pursued out of curiosity, but he was gone. I continued on with the game, not sure what to think. As I expanded to world, if, as I expanded the world, I saw things that seemed out of place for the random map generator make. Two by two tunnels in the rock, small perfect pyramids made out of sand in the ocean, and groves of trees with all of their leaves cut off. I would constantly think that I saw the other player in the deep fog, but I never got a better look at him. I tried increasing my render distance to far when I thought I saw him, but to no avail. I saved the map and went onto the forums to see if anyone else had found the pseudo-player. There were none. I created my own topic telling of the man and asking if anyone had a similar experience. The post was deleted within five minutes. I tried again, and the topic was deleted even faster. I received a private message from username Herobrine, Herobrine containing one word, stop. When I looked at Herobrine's profile, the page 404'd, wow, spooky. I received an email from another forum user. He claimed the mods can read forum user messages, so we were safer using email. The emailer claimed that he'd seen the, myster- the mystery player too and had a small directory of other users who had seen him as well. Their worlds were littered with obvious man-made features as well and described their mystery player to have no pupils. About a month passed until I heard from my informant again. 
Some of the people who had encountered the mystery man had looked into the name Herobrine and found that the name to be frequently used by a Swedish gamer. After some further information gathering, it was revealed to be the brother of Notch, the game's developer. I personally emailed Notch, X to doubt, and asked if he had a brother. It took him a while, but he emailed me back with a very short message. I did, but he's no longer with us. Notch. I haven't seen that mystery man since our first encounter, and I haven't noticed any changes to the world other than my own. I was able to press print screen when I first saw him, and there was only one evidence of his existence. It's a spooky picture of Herobrine. Ooh, ooh, Herobrine. <laughs> but this was also, it blew up everyone who plays Minecraft. Do you know who Herobrine is? Have you heard this before? No, I actually Any haven't. sort of reference? Wow. It's huge in Minecraft, especially because Notch actually had to make messages in like his Twitter profile and stuff where he was like, I don't have a brother. I never did. Hero Brian's not real and he can't hurt you. Things like that. And it was just like a prime meme. Spook factor, though. Um, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. Well, but it's, it's pretty Minecraft. basic. Yeah. But this the, this is a pretty classic one. It's a really old creepypasta, if I remember correctly. Like, um, if he's running version point one, so that's like when it first came out. So that's like twenty twelve. Yeah. Twenty twelve creepypasta. Um, is it bad that we said I thought it was just a cow, so I went to pursue it. The only thing that I could think of was Doja Cat. Bitch, I'm a cow. I am not a cat. I don't say meow. I don't say meow. Bitch, I'm a cow. <laughs> Bitch, I'm a cow. I'm so sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, that's Hero Brian. So spooky. Gaming pastas. I'm Ooh. terrified. Yeah, just remember if you ever play single player Minecraft, he's out there. He oh, is I'm, real. I'm gonna be looking. My next story is called Ben. Parentheses. Drowned? A true story. Fuck. <laughs> so a he, true story. A true story. All right. I'm scared so, now. Oh, yeah. You it's better, real. You better be terrified. This happened in the real world. Oh, so, me spooked. Oh, yeah. I was with two, two of my friends, Ben and Nick, on holiday when this happened. We were in an isolated part of Greece, somewhere that doesn't show up on Google Maps, but for some reason, traveling down a long stretch of road on our tire car in search of the next major city uh, to party in. After initially planning our drive through the night, we expected that we accepted that we had lost our way and it was getting too dark to continue. So we pulled into a gas station for directions where we could stay. The old man handed us a brochure of a nearby village and insisted we go check it out. Since we were completely lost and left with no other option, we went. Something different, we thought, but just how different... We could have never guessed. As we took the next left turn and ventured into the headlit darkness, the only form of lodging out there was an in remote cabins, separate far apart from each other for for privacy, we guessed. The self-contained cabin had a bathroom, kitchen, a queen bed, and a single bed, all that we needed for one night. Nick won the rock off for the single bed, so Ben and I would be sharing. Nick snores anyway, so I was cool with that. One feature of the cabin that unnerved me, though, however, was the large square curtainless window that occupied the entire area of a vacant wall. It had bothered me especially now 
because the night had fallen and the light was on inside, so it acted like a sort of two-way mirror. Anything uh, Anything wearing black could easily look through without being noticed. He made plans to go out that night into the village to the bars and have some drinks, tell stories, and see where the night would take us. We discussed that we would leave the key under the rock by the front porch and that if we were to split up, whoever came home first would leave the door open for the others to get in. Why don't you say it louder so everyone can hear where we hide it, Ben joked, to which Nick found the pleasure in yelling it at the top of his lungs. Luckily, our cabin was isolated out here and there was nobody close by, I thought to myself as we drove off. It was surprisingly a fun night at the bar. We had plenty of shots and the local drink Uzo until the bar staff informed us that we had drunk their entire stock to drive. They got lit, boy. Damn. It was cheap in Greece. The next thing I knew, it was late, the bar was closing, and we had lost Ben. He must have left without us, though I don't remember him telling us that he was leaving. Slightly concerned by him acting out of character, so we left without him taking the car. I need to piss badly. I adjusted my seat in the car. as the car headlights momentarily lit up the cabin and we turned into the driveway, the sound of gravel crunching under the tires. We checked under the rock for the key, and it was gone. We tried the door handle, locked. What the fuck? Both of us looked at each other. Ben must have come home before us and locked us out. Ben, open up. We need to piss. Hurry, Ben. We banged on the door. I heard stumbling inside like somebody literally crawling awkwardly on all fours out of bed. bed. Damn, he must be drunk. I can't hold this piss anymore, I said as Nick um, and I went to separate sides of the cabin to urinate as Ben finally opened the door. It felt good urinating, but the feeling was harshly interrupted by what caught my attention on the large window, sending a large shiver up my spine. There was this long, thin set of handprints only visible on the window from the mist outside. It looked larger than any human's hand, but much, much thinner. Holy shit. But I quickly cleared my mind of the scary and irrational images that it was creating, as it was certainly just a regular human hand that had been smeared, causing the illusion that it was longer. Right? Either way, it occurred to me that someone or something might have been watching us. I hurried and finished my business and rushed inside. We are not turning on the light, I thought, to prevent anything from looking in at us, as I locked the front door and we went straight to bed. Nick fell asleep instantly, snoring before his head even hit the pillow, and after a few minutes of tolerating Nick's unconscious, inconsistent snore, my drooping eyes fell, weir- fell weary, so I closed them. As soon as they shut, I couldn't help but get the burning feeling that Ben's eyes had opened, and suddenly were staring straight at me, menacingly. My body rose in temperature, and my heart beat quicker as I sensed this, as if Ben was holding his breath, vision fixated on me angrily through the darkness. Sorry if we hadn't gone home with him. Jeez, why would you be so angry? After a few minutes of calming myself from this irrational fear, I drifted off to sleep. Knock, knock, knock. Open up, you said you wouldn't lock it. Thud, 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 it grew louder. Open the door, it's fucking cold out here. This was the single scariest moment of my entire life, and the most paralyzing sensation swept over my entire body. It was Ben at the door. Suddenly, there was movement in the sheets next to me, something stirring. 
I got up faster than I ever had in my life and ran to the door. Nick had awoken and come to the same horrific realization as soon as me. Right behind me, kicking the door open and fleeing outside the car, not once did we look back. I started the car and beckoned Ben to follow, but he didn't know what happened. Still facing into the room, it turned on the light. he turned on the light to see. This was a true story. It really happened. You can ask Nick if you don't believe me, but I wouldn't ask Ben. He doesn't say much anymore after the incident, and whatever is questioned about it, his face just turns pale and expressionless, and he will immediately shut off, shut the nearest curtain. Scary. Spooky. What was it? What was in there? I don't know. What's in the cabin? Like, it's I, a classic I, cabin in the woods story. It's a skinwalker. I'm calling it now. See, I would have like really. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't remember when this was written, but, like, I would kind of like to picture the thing as, like, one of the Wendigos from Until Dawn. I've never played it. I know you haven't, but it's spooky and they're all whimsy and weird and elongated. But like, I would have just, like, we ripped out of there and we just saw this, like, motherfucker, like, running on all fours <laughs> after us, screaming... Ben got his head fucking slashed off because he didn't come to the car fast enough and he's dead. I think Ben should have died. More spooky if Ben gets killed by the replacement Ben. Yeah, instead of just shutting curtains. But no, I like the story. I would give it like um I'd say that's a spookier. That's spookier. Because even even in the telling, it's it's got you know, the sudden moment of like, oh, oh shit. If Ben's outside, then who's inside? Oh no. Not even like who's inside, like who's literally in bed with me point yeah like that's fucking terrifying <laughs> um i would give it like a i would give it like a five out of ten i wish it had like a little bit more you know it's a good premise what i give the first one a seven out of ten i'd give that one like an eight out of ten see that one's more spooky to me that one that was psychological spookiness you want to know what's kind of funny because like i went over this with logan before um we mm -hmm. started recording both Logan and I agreed that, like, my second one was probably our favorite. But you, you like this one. It's spooky. Spooky. It's spooky. But it's like, you know, it's... I feel like with a lot of these pastas, there's stories that have been told many times. They're cliche. A lot of very cliche moments, you know? All right, you I'm gonna follow, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow it up with another... I, I think this one might even be shorter than Herobrine. Oh, wow. And this one, it's pretty short. It's, it's about the same. Okay. I, I, it's quick. I do know I this might, one. I might be able to get, like, we might even add a, another pasta at the end or something. We'll see. Uh, but this one is Pokemon themed. It's called Lavender Town Syndrome. And I just, I liked this one because it's got, like, like it's, it's just got, like, small ties to real life events that kind of happened. But Lavender Town Syndrome, also known as the Lavender Town Tone or the Lavender Town Suicides, was a peak in suicides and illness of children between the ages of 7 and 12 shortly after the release of Pokemon Red and Green in Japan back in February 27, 1996. Rumors say that these suicides and illnesses occurred after the children playing the game reached Lavender Town, whose theme music and extremely high frequencies the study showed that the only children and young teens can hear 
since the ears are more sensitive. Uh, due to the lavender tone, at least 200 children supposedly committed suicide and many others developed illnesses and afflictions. Uh, the children who committed suicide usually did so by hanging or jumping from heights. Those who acted irrationally complained of severe headaches after listening to the Lavender Town theme. Although Lavender Town was now sounds different depending on the game, the mass hysteria caused by this first Pokemon game released was intense. After the Lavender Tone incident, programmers fixed Lavender Town's theme music. Um, one video appeared in 2010 using special software to analyze the audio of the Lavender Town music when played. The software created images of the unknown near the end of the audio. This raised a controversy since unknown didn't appear until the generation 2 silver, gold, and crystal, and the unknown translates to leave now. There was also said that the beta version, there's also a said beta version of Lavender Town. So this one really doesn't go into too much detail. I've also heard like there's varying forms yeah. of this. One that explains it as it was only if they were wearing headphones and it was binaural beats yeah. since they were like off. And so they had to go down to a mono sound. Um, but overall, I don't think this in itself was actually real. It is kind of like spooky or like cool to like look into and think like, oh, what if there was a tone though that was that, that insane? But I know that it did pull a lot of its uh, its inspiration from the infamous Pori Porygon episode. Mm. I forget what the actual name of the episode is, but. Essentially, it had a series of flashing lights, and it was oh, yeah, centered yeah, yeah. around Porygon, and it caused a large amount of seizures when the episode aired. And it's actually, you know, a banned episode. I think they do have the episode out now, but it's, like, very edited. Yeah. And it doesn't flash. And, and do seizures, hopefully. Yeah, it doesn't make seizures happen. But it was kind of, it pulled references. I like the binaural beats version of this as well. I think it's very mm -hmm. interesting. And it's just a cool yeah, it's thing. A, it's a fun little thing to read. Yeah. Most Pokemon creepypastas are actually, like, something I found when I was researching this. Because a majority of them aren't even, like, creepy happenings they're just like someone goes to ebay or a garage sale and they find like a rom hat cartridge yeah and they just play like fucked up like crater levels yeah and people have actually like they created it after the creepy pasta they're like oh this is a good pasta i'm gonna actually make I'm this game <laughs> i'm actually making this game so there's a good bit of pokemon creepy pasta out there to check into i know that um you know like auditory hallucinations or mm -hmm. not not of hallucinations thing but like basically like different frequencies can invoke like different yeah. like binaural physical... beats yeah, yeah binaural weird. beats are a real thing that a it's... lot of people like use for like healing practices and stuff but it could also like yeah. instill like anxiety and like like, like i think the one thing that absolutely everybody can relate to is like some dick like installing a dog whistle app on their phone and you being able to yeah it just only if you're below a certain age, though. Yeah. So. I wonder if I could still hear that now. <laughs> Actually, I think I can. Because Patty got some LEDs, and I can hear them. And I don't like it. because I have mild tinnitus, so I probably could not, most likely. Where you damage your eardrums from being around loud sounds a lot. Hmm. Am I shocked by that information? 
I feel like if anybody would have that, it would be you. Hey, we're hearing protection. Always wear your earplugs. Luckily, I don't. I don't have it like too bad. It's like just a small bit of ringing. Oh, Is that but... like constant or it's when you're like yeah. exposed to just constant? Always, yeah. Like right now, there's still a slight ringing in each ear. Luckily, it's pretty quiet though. Like I don't have it that bad because I, once I was already working in like entertainment and stuff like that, I was pretty constant about wearing good earbuds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Don't, don't ruin your ears. Don't ruin your ears, kids. That's the real creepy pasta here. Don't blow out your eardrums by going to loud things without hearing protection. It's not fun. This next one is called A Sailor Without Two Coins. This one's pretty short. Many a sailor, no matter how brave and fearless, knows well how unpredictable and deadly the sea can be. Before every uh, setting... Before every setting of the sails and prayer goes throughout the crew... Praying to God for the safety of their voyage. A wise man knows that prayers are not always answered, and many a man has traveled into the briny depths of the sea, never to be seen again. Some men say, though, they have managed to cheat death in those moments with a ritual that may not be worth living for later. The ritual is fairly simple, but not one that one one wants to use unless they are in mortal peril and know it. Providing that they are not sinking fast enough in the water to choke on their words, a man must repeat the words, Devil, take my soul across the sticks. God has abandoned me three times at the top of their lungs. If he truly puts himself and his soul into it, the ferryman shall come. No matter how much the waves rage and toss, his ship shall not be turned, nor shall he capsize. The man shall fill his wrist uh, grabbed and being pulled onto the boat. From there, he will not feel the waves rocking him. He will feel no hunger, no thirst, only the breath in his lungs and the wind blowing softly across his wet face. It is important that the man does not look up into his eyes. This is because calling calling him out is a trick. You see, the ferryman will not take a soul across the sticks without payment. You will hear him speak, asking for payment. When he asks, he must proclaim that he is without payment and needs to go get it from home. The ferryman will then begin to row the sailor to his home shore. He cannot look at him at all the entire way, even if, even if it takes three days and three nights, because it will not matter. This is because the ferryman looks into your eyes and he will know if you're lying and return you to the waters to drown. When you finally reach the shore, the sailor must thank him and tell him he will return shortly. The sailor can never return to sea after this. The ferryman will never come to the shore to collect, but will be there by the water, waiting for his payment. If a sailor ever does set foot on a boat again, he and all the men on the ship shall perish in a violent, destructive manner. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Spooky. Spooky. That's like my number one, uh, spookiest or fear. Yeah, drowning. Water. You yeah, don't like drowning. Water. No, <laughs> I I like land solid. I like boats. See, that's the thing is, I love being on ships and boats, but like open water, it's mm. a no from me, dog. I'm not the strongest swimmer. It spooks me, man. I don't like knowing like. Or not knowing, like, what's below me. 
yeah. very upsetting. Thing. I actually didn't know about this about you until like right before we were filming this because Logan told me he's mm-hmm. like he's not gonna like this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I dislike it. But no, I mean that that's kind of interesting. I like the twist on the end that you can't ever go back to see because then he'll be like, "See, I thought the twist was gonna be like, hey, you have to sacrifice the yeah. homie at yeah, home, you gotta you know? sacrifice a goat for your payment. Yeah, sacrifice somebody." life in exchange for years but uh, yeah i would like to kind of imagine that like um even though like they can't ever go to water like if you get close enough to see to see the shoreline you just see that motherfucker just staring you down no see for me i get like i'm instantly thinking like davy jones pirates of the caribbean (laughs) disney you know just davy jones ship just boom out of the water like oh you want to come into my waters Surprise, bitch. I need my payment. It's me. Yeah, so that's what I think of when I hear okay, the so fairyman boy. What would you rate this one? I don't know. It was like... It's not as... I, I'd give that one like a 5 out of 10. Yeah. Because it's, like, interesting. Yeah. You know, it's, it's more of, like, a, a, a wives' tale than a creepypasta. You know what I mean? Yeah. A sailor's tale. Sailor's cautionary tale. Yeah. But it's not, like, but like ben, a really, true story. Is it really, like, a cautionary tale, though? Because, like... Well, it's just, like, a sailor's, like, an old wives' tale. You yeah. Know? It's just, like... I can't even recall any, but I, I feel like that's something that's... It's a story shared far and wide... Yeah. I don't know. Okay. It was all right. Oh my god, wait. Is this a Fallout one? This is a Fallout one. Oh shit. Hell yeah. I'm this one's actually this. A, a bit longer than the others too. So this one uh, comes from Fallout 3. It's called the Fallout Numbers Station. And I personally never experienced this, but from reading comments, there's a lot of people that said that they did. And I don't know if it's real or fake or... I have what's going on so i mean if you're a fallout fan and you have experiences let us know please. yeah dude i want to know i want to know if this one's real because it's very interesting and some of them are, are kind of if it's true it's very interesting to me um because there's some like predictions and stuff that happen in it some that were true and some that aren't uh but okay so fallout 3 contains several in-game radio stations the most diverse and important station is galaxy news radio Many players of the evil persuasion know that they can kill Three Dog and he will be replaced by the technician Margaret. She's not a charismatic person and has very little to say, seeming to not enjoy her new announcing duties. She also never appears in person and therefore cannot be killed. Once Three Dog is dead, you're stuck with Margaret. Now that's spooky. What most players do not know is that under certain conditions, Galaxy News Radio will become a numbers station. A number station is a station that broadcasts an unusual coded message. Many of these, uh, these exist in real life, and some hypothesize that they are nuclear retaliation control network. Simply check Wikipedia for more information about those odd broadcasts as they relate to the real world. But now back to Fallout 3. No one is really sure which actions are needed to hear the number station in Fallout 3. It appears that you must kill 3Dog because no one has reported hearing the number station uh, while he's still alive. So... R.I.P. 3-Dog, you're my boy, but gotta go. Uh, It also appears that you have to skip over the quest, Galaxy News Radio, 
where you help boost the signal so that the station can broadcast further and then just the broadcast further than just the DC area. This is easy enough to do with either a speech check or simply using the Fallout wiki to look up where to go next and advance the main plot. Finally, you definitely need to destroy Raven Rock. This is actual trigger to turn GNR into a number station, and it will remain such for the rest of the game. However, the vast majority of the players who perform these three actions will still continue hearing the general Galaxy News radio broadcast, so there must be several more requirements the community is yet to isolate. If you're lucky enough to hit upon the right set of circumstances, just after destroying Raven Rock, you will get the message, radio signal lost, and then several seconds later, the radio signal found. You cannot, however, actually listen to GNR just yet because you didn't boost the signal and are out of range of the broadcast at the exit of Raven Rock. Luckily, Raven Rock is situated in the mountains and is right near one of the few places outside of DC that you can get high enough to catch the signal. So far, the confirmed location here, the GNR number signal, are within the immediate DC area, at the top of the Ferris wheel, at the Point Lookout, on the tops of some of the SATCOM arrays you can climb in the northwestern region of the map, on the roof of Tenpenny Tower. Though this may be within normal broadcast range anyway, feel free to playtest and get that back to me. Uh, on the highest point of the Broken Bridge around Arefu, I think that's right, again might be within broadcast range anyway, on some of the highest points of the mountaintops in the area near Raven Rock. This is obviously your easiest chance to first listen to the number station. When you tune in, you will hear an old familiar voice. It's Three Dog, despite the fact that you killed him earlier. So however, you will quickly notice that it doesn't seem to be in character. So it's pretty much not Three Dog, it's just the voice actor, Eric Dellums. He reads a series of numbers in a monotone, depressed sounding voice. He always recites a list of six digits between nine and twelve characters long. For example, nine, three, seven, nine, one, seven, two, zero, three, four. He never uses a multi-digit number like 11 or 40. These numbers are always followed widely by varying lengths of Morse code. This is then followed by the song, I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire, classic for Fallout. All other music tracks seem to be inactive on the number station. The Morse code was the easiest part of the mystery to crack, as the code is widely available and many people actually know it by heart. We quickly had a list of great number, uh, a great number of messages in English. Some sounded completely mundane and even comical, such as, Wash the car today, maybe Chinese for dinner. Or, have you watched my YouTube video yet? I uploaded myself kicking bums in the nuts. You may be singing, wait, but YouTube doesn't exist on the Fallout universe, and you're right. As far as we could tell, all of the messages sounded like they were based in our reality, somewhere near present day. Some of the messages, however, are quite sinister, such as, The Queen has died today, the world mourns, and on days on like these, we are all Brits. Or, I can't believe they've actually done it, not long left, the noise. I can't take the noise anymore, I have a pistol in the attic. It's tying y'all together. It's all coming back around. Just recently, a player on the wiki forums noticed a message that brought the light to meaning of the several messages. He was reading a thread that collected all the known messages trans transposed from Morse to English and saw the line 1, 2, 0, 5, 5, 2, 8, 2, 0, 1, 0. What are you talking about? You'll be missed. He realized this referred to the recent death of Gary Coleman, and then quickly realized the numbers were a time and date of death. 
He immediately scanned through the messages to try and find more examples of this apparent future telling by a game that's more than just a year old. The next message he read shocked him and pushed him to enlist the aid of others to decipher the code. The message was 94542020010. Accident in the Gulf. Several dead. Oil spill apparently averted. He realized that this was the BP oil explosion and the erroneous day one assessment that the well was not leaking. From this point on, all numbers will be transcribed as times and dates. All times were given in game in military format and will remain so in this document. Numerous members of the Fallout Wiki message board began looking over the messages to see what else we could learn. We quickly found that most of the dates were after the game had been released, yet oddly some were from the past. 2215, April 15th, 1886, or 1865. He's dead, and blame will probably be placed on that actor, Booth. Johnson better not cheat out of me on the payment. This shed, shed new doubt on the official version of the Lincoln assassination. As the community quickly started piling up interpretations of the messages, the mods of the site summar summarily banned everyone who posted in or even read the thread. All references to the number station were removed from the Fallout Wiki, and filtering software was put in place to prevent reposting of any relevant information. As people, however, are trading emails and slowly finishing the translation of the remaining messages and putting dates to the existing one. The Queen has died today. The world mourns. As on days like these, we are all Brits. 4-2, March 19th, 2014. That didn't happen. Have you watched my YouTube video yet? I uploaded myself kicking bums in the nuts. 24-16, December 24th, uh, 2012. I think that one might be true. I can't believe Britney's actually won an Oscar. 21-33, February 27th, 2023. Keep me posted on that one. I can't believe they've actually done it. Not long left. They were warned, but they just had to keep pushing the boundaries of science. The noise. I can't take the noise anymore. And the light. Dear God, the universe is slowly unraveling around us. I'm not going to wait for death. I have a pistol in the attic. It's the only message that wasn't preceded by a string of numbers. It might be worth noting that the latest date on any of the messages is 127 July 6, 2027. What's that one, though? I don't know what's going on. I don't know if that's, like, in the game time. Like, if you have to be there. I don't know. That's like the number Fallout. station. I, I think that one's interesting because it's like, it's a video game one, but it kind of like blurs a line and it kind of has like real world, world complications. Yeah. Things I don't like really care for are like the reference to like, uh, John Wilkes Booth. Yeah. Because it's like, uh, there's enough conspiracies yeah, about we, that one out there. That's its own like bucket of worms. And it's not like a video game is going to make like any new investigations on things like that. Dude, I don't, I don't really care too much about, like, the predictions that it has, I guess. But I kind of, I like the idea that this is, like, hidden in there. I kind of, I really hope it is, because I think I still have a copy of that game. Like, I would love to find that. And, um... It could be fun. Yeah, like, I remember when I was first watching Gravity Falls, because it's mm -hmm. a great cartoon. And every single episode, there is, um, a cipher at the end and they kind of change it up and i mean obviously it sounds like people are stating that the mm -hmm. numbers in this one are are just times and dates yeah but like um 
there are actual like numerical ciphers and stuff like that where numbers can correspond to like letters and stuff like that and you can spell out words yeah like i thought this was going to be like a bunch of ciphers that people were trying to like and it, it, it kind of is with like morse code and stuff like that and then realizing that the numbers were actually times and dates and stuff like that but i remember when i was watching when i was watching gravity falls um because i literally had nothing better to do i cracked all of the ciphers by myself like wow. i know there was i know there was like a cheat sheet online and you can look them up now yeah. but like i just i had fun cracking them the fun like it's a good thing it's a fun thing to do yeah so yeah i like that this uh had references to real world implications something that i kept thinking about when i was researching the creepypastas though was a game that I played on stream about a year ago, which in itself kind of played out like a creepy pasta, and it was Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh yeah! If you've ever heard of that game, who hasn't? I love that game. I think that game's amazing. Uh, but the craziest thing—I don't know how much you know about the game—but there's a lot that goes into the background of the game. Yeah. So it's like as you proceed to different parts and sections your game's files actually like erase and replace themselves. And that's just filled with puzzles and codes and the community had to like completely decipher it. And it apparently has something to do with the company is making like a horror game and it might be coming out soon. I'm not sure, but it was like kind of like promo material for yeah. that new game that they had released. But I thought just like all the ways that they changed the code and they kind of like, uh, what's it called uncanny valleyness of like monica addressing you the player that she has like self-awareness and then uh like for me i was streaming the game at the time which when my brother logan played through the game he there's dialogue specific to broadcasters and entertainers or anyone recording the footage oh, of the game wow. so if you're not recording the game or anything like it's that different she just talks to you and says something but if you were broadcasting like i was she'd stops for a moment and goes like you're recording me without my permission and i don't enjoy that and then not only that it goes a step further uh a user named monica actually shows up in the chat and says just monica or something like that Ooh. so they actually like it's a little weird because you never really input that information to your computer which means they have some weird coding in that game that actually found like invades your privacy uh, just a little bit yeah, it, it makes me curious how they actually locate your specific stream. That's um, strange. I didn't of, know that. Kind of like a worm that it puts in there. But I thought it was like, it's spooky and it's cool and it's creepy. And it's yeah, like, I like Doki Doki. It really like took development of a game to the next level of creepiness. And like, like games don't really seem to do that yeah. often. So that's, I thought Doki Doki was just a really good creepypasta. The game itself is a really good creepypasta. It is, honestly. Just like personally myself, I really like um, games or even like movies or shows where it's like, oh yeah, this is so innocent. This is a fun anime thing. Good time. It's all going to be great. And then it just ends up being totally fucked up. I don't know why. I like it. hate to see it. I love to see it. Mm-hmm. Oh. What, what would you rate the number station? Ooh, the number station, like, 
honestly, this is like a 10 for me. You like that? You I like love, how it's... A yeah, like, I like Fallout. I like that, like, you gotta do shit to, like, figure out how to activate it. Like, you might be able to, you might not, and then there's, like, codes and stuff like that. I wish the codes were a little bit cooler or maybe even programmed to be a little bit more, like, ominous or just random. Yeah. Just being like, what? <laughs> but... I definitely like the last one. The last one's the, the whole, I can't believe they've done it. They push signs. The noise, it's getting unbearable. That one's interesting. I, I think that's definitely one that I do like about... M. Night Shyamalan. I'm sorry. I had to say it. That's the director who I'm thinking of that has the twist. I'm sorry. I just remembered. Okay, go. M. Night Shyamalan. Yes. I've never seen his movies, so I, I don't know. You n you've never seen an M. Night Shyamalan movie? I don't think so. Wait. 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 Waiting. Loading. 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 Did he direct the one that's about like the camp, the kids at camp, and Bill Murray's in it? I don't remember the name. No, this is so I bad. I don't. I mean, I'm not an expert, and I'm not M Night Shyamalan. Like quite clearly, I forgot his name for like 40 minutes, but I remembered it. I'll look it up in a second. Um, but no, I the thing I liked about the Number Station was that. It's believable enough to where yeah. you want to look into the next step. Yeah. And I think that's what makes a creepypasta, like, good, you know? I agree. This is probably my because favorite, a creepypasta, actually. Because a creepypasta is supposed to be, like, spooky, but it's also supposed to be, like, semi-believable. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these, they're mostly just, like, quick jump scare kind of yeah. material, you know? Um, but this one is actually something you kind of think about and just... Even if it's not that creepy, it's kind of like, oh, well, that's interesting is it real? I want to look into it. I want it. to find out. I want to find out. Yeah. So like literally as you're reading this, I'm like, do I still have my Fallout 3? Like, do I still have my copy of that? Because I want to play it. Go find Three Dogs Number Station. Mm -hmm. Follow the instructions in the video. Let me know if you can get it done. Yeah, I want to know. Because I don't, I don't think I have my copy. Might just buy. I was going to say, it's, <laughs> it's an old enough game to where it's probably pretty oh, cheap yeah. and easy to get a copy of it. All right. Yeah. So. It's spoopy season, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode where we got a little spoopy, a little funny, and yeah. So. What else do we have planned for spoopy season? Any ideas? <laughs> um, you know, we, we've got something in the wigs, but I kind of want to hold off on that one just a little bit. I don't know if, it, okay. I, I don't know if we'll be able to do it before okay. Spoopy season ends, depending on scheduling and stuff like that. Um, I think I think this was probably our most spoop themed episode. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out more spoopy stuff though. Yeah, if you guys want it, just let us know. Maybe we'll, we might make it work. I'm not promising though. So um, I'll see you guys next week, or well, we will. Yeah, see you guys next time. Thanks for hanging out and listening to the podcast. Have okay. a good one. Yeah, hope you enjoyed the side quest.